0: Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. You can stay right there and just sing that song, saying we give ourselves unto you and we surrender all. But let's ask ourselves this question this morning. Do we really and truly surrender all? Do we truly surrender all? You know, as I sat there, I had this picture of a whole book. Do we say to God, you can see the first few pages and you can see the end of the book, but you cannot see the middle? Or like our sister said earlier on, Lord, I would allow you into certain areas of my life. But other areas are a no-go for you. Are we actually surrendering all? You know, and as I sat there and I meditated, these words came to me. God is an open book. Truly open book. And that is why when we go through scriptures, we see everything that we need to know about what God and what Jesus and what the disciples did we see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that is to show us that no matter where we think we are, no matter how bad, even if we feel that we have murdered someone, there is redemption. Even if we think that we were that woman about the town, like Rahab was, like the woman by the well that had had four husbands, And was living with her fifth. Who was not even her husband. No matter what it is that we have done. God is a God of redemption. We had those things in scripture. To teach us. To encourage us. That he is a faithful God. He is a forgiving God. And as long as we are available he is ready to use us. As long as we're ready to surrender, he is ready to use us. We hear these terms that he calls, he calls us and he equips us. He doesn't wait for us to clean up our acts. As long as we're ready and as long as we're available and we say, Lord, I'm here, use me, he will clean us up. He turns the mess into a message message. And I'm sure some of us can testify of it. I was a mess. A right mess. I've shared with some of you my life stories. Or let me say most of it. I never knew I'd be one holding a mic. I never qualified. But for the mercy and the grace of God. Hallelujah. Let's take our seats in the presence of the Lord this morning. Happy Palm Sunday, family. Amen. You know, I came across this piece, and I, I feel it's very, very relevant, and I'm going to share it with us. I do not take, um, I don't take credit for it because I did not write it. Right? I, let me just say that up front. But it's very, very relevant to the message of the, the theme of the month. It's relevant to the message. It's relevant to the period we are in. Um, at this time of our Christian calendar. Hallelujah. It says at Easter, we remember that Jesus' broken body put an end to our brokenness. We know that. We're aware of that. But before we honor the resurrection, a lot of people talk about Easter, Easter, Easter. But what happened before Easter? You know, it's important for us to look back at the events that led up to the ultimate sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of those important events are the hours that led up to the Last Supper. We're talking about Palm Sunday, you know, how Jesus Christ came into the town and, you know, we had the palm leaves that were on the ground. He rode on a donkey. You know, yeah, all those are events that led up to um, the Last Supper. So it says the timing of the Last Supper was very special because it took place during the Passover. And this might seem like a little detail, but Jesus used it to connect his death and resurrection to the Israelites' exodus out of Egypt. So why does the Passover matter? Why is it important? Right? It says the Passover was a crucial event that the Jewish people observed for hundreds of years before the Last Supper, which we know about because we are Bible scholars. Isn't that so? Amen. So we know about that. It says, After decades of oppression in Egypt, God was going to deliver his people from their slavery and bring them into the land that he had promised them, which we know to be the promised land. He said, But first... He had to raise up a leader. He had to raise up somebody who could rescue them, who could deliver them. And that was how Moses came about. So Moses, prompted by God, asked the Pharaoh at the time for their freedom. But each time, we know what did he say? No, he didn't allow them to go. Rather than that, what he did was he multiplied their workload giving them no assistance making it uh, difficult for them so in response god sent a series of plagues to torment the egyptians but still pharaoh's heart was very hardened and here it is finally an escape comes it says as a last resort god sent a final plague an angel of death death sorry to kill the firstborn of every family in egypt because of the Pharaoh's cruel, oppressive evil, and unwillingness to repent of his sins, God provided justice. And the God that provided justice then is still providing justice now. And that is why God says we are the apple of his eyes, and no one should touch his anointed. You know, when God talks about his anointed, we are all anointed children of the Most High God. So when the enemy lays his hands upon us, and we go down in prayer, God sends justice upon those who are oppressing us. Amen. He says, but God provided something that Pharaoh could never do. And what was that? He provided a way out. And the same way God provided a way out for the Israelites then, God, through Jesus Christ, provided a way out for us now. And he's still providing that way out for each and every one of us right now. Amen. It says before that final plague the Israelites were instructed to paint their doors the doors of their homes with the blood of a sacrificial lamb, a sacrificial lamb. That way when the angel of death came, their houses would be passed over and their firstborns would be saved would w- the first sons would be saved. Now it might seem like a little st- of a strange symbol, but through the death of the lamb God brings Pharaoh's evil to justice, which I've just mentioned earlier on. And after the plague and the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh finally gave the Israelites freedom. When they settled in the promised land, they commemorated the Passover every year with a feast, consisting of bread, wine, and a sacrificial lamb. Now, don't let's forget that that was a lamb in terms of an animal. Rather than the Lamb of God that we talk about now. It says, thousands of years later, Jesus and his disciples gathered around a dinner table to celebrate in the same way. And that is why, for us as a church family, every first Sunday of the month, we come together and we remember what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. And that's why we take what we call communion as a church family. So with those words that he spoke, you know, he blessed the bread, he blessed the wine, and he gave and shared with the, with the disciples. With those words, Jesus linked the Passover to God's plan of redemption for mankind. Amen. So the final element of that Passover meal was, is that lamb. But as far as we can tell, there wasn't a lamb at the table at the Last Supper. Because there was only bread and there was wine. Because the lamb was there in form of Jesus Christ. So it's saying this was not an accident. It was a symbolic occurrence and a symbolic statement. It says through the lamb, God rescued the Israelites from the hands of Pharaoh. Through Jesus Christ, God rescues rescues, continuous presence tense. God rescues the world from slavery to sin and death. Amen. It says, less than 24 hours after the Last Supper, Jesus took his last breath on the cross. His sacrifice was to take on all of humanity's sin. He allowed himself to be abandoned by his Father so that we would never have to be separated from God. He allowed himself to be abandoned by his father so that we, myself, you, the generations to come, the generations before, every single one of us, so that we would never have to be separated from God. And Jesus doesn't just want us to understand what he did for us. He wants us to participate In it by entering into a relationship with him. It's one thing for us to know. It's one thing for us to feel what Christ did. We sing those songs. But it's not just enough for us to sing those songs. More than singing those songs, we need to experience what those words are. What they mean to each one of us. When we experience, we're putting ourselves in that place. The song says, I would never know what it costs to see my sins upon the cross. We can never know, but we can imagine. We can have a glimpse of imagination. It says, in doing so, we get to be part of the greatest story that was ever told. So as we approach Good Friday, let's remember that we get to be part of God's greatest plan for mankind. We get to be part of that plan. And it's for us to remind the generations to come of what Christ did. On the cross of Calvary. Amen. Hallelujah. So, as I said earlier on, our theme for the month, Sacrificial Me. We're talking about God sacrificing his son for mankind. Can you just imagine? At that pivotal period, God turns his face away from his son. Woof. My Lord, my Lord, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And we, we hold. God did not withhold his best from me, from you at the time that Jesus needed his father most, he turned his face away because he did not want to see that pain, that sorrow. Because the Bible says, concerning Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured. (laughs) For the joy Women that have been through pregnancy know what I'm talking about. And some men have been through it with them. Because when the woman's not able to sleep, the men have to face it. And I've heard that some men face, experience the symptoms of pregnancy as well. Morning sickness, afternoon sickness, night sickness. Not to talk about being out of shape. But for the joy of knowing that at the end of nine months, there'll be a beautiful bouncing baby boy or girl. You go through that pain, you go through what it takes. And can you just imagine? God's own was not just a nine month pregnancy. It was a time of sacrificing his son forever for us. And that's why this has become my favorite scripture. Romans uh, chapter 12. This is how God wants us to live our lives in sacrifice. He says, so... Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Till Christ comes, I'm going to continue to repeat that scripture to myself. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, your Facebook life, your Instagram life, your Twitter, Spotify, your TV. Don't forget that when this was written, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, uh, Spotify, there were no TVs. But those are part of our everyday life. Those are the things that steal our time when we don't use them constructively. So God is saying to us every single day from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Put that into the hands of the Father. Say, place it before God as a what? As an offering. As a sacrifice. God, I commit my day to you. What would you have me do today? How would you have me do it? would you want me to speak to today about you? Because embracing what God did for us through Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary is the best thing that we can do. Are we embracing it? Or do we just embrace it during the period of Lent? On Friday there was a question that came up during Bible study. Do we only sacrifice during the period of Lent? Because it's become a tradition. I'll give up chocolate. I'll give up TV. I'll give up this. So what about the remaining days of the year? Christ did not just sacrifice for us for 40 days. He did it for 365 or 366 days of the year. And like I said last week, he would do it again and again. But the Bible tells us that it was done once and for all. He didn't have to do it like under the law, which was just a yearly occurrence. And as we do that, the Bible says we'll be changed from the inside out. Because that way we, begin to, we know the mind of God. And we begin to walk in the precepts of the almighty God. And why should we live that sort of life? Why should we give everything, our ordinary days, why should we place it as an offering before God? Because for each one of us, for me, for you, the Bible says that he was beaten. He was tortured. Just to repeat that again, I said it last week, torture is an action or practice of inflicting severe pain not just ordinary pain severe pain or suffering of someone as a punishment i mean you punish someone who has offended you punish someone who has broken the law christ never broke any law he never said any bad word but he was still punished for my sins for your sins In order for us to be able to be reconciled back unto the Father. Like a lamb, he was taken to the slaughter. And he was still silent. I said last week, it was the greatest miscarriage of justice. But what Jesus did, and I said this last week. He sacrificed his blood, literally for us. Now, apart from when we give blood, (laughs) you know, medically, we are not called to sacrifice our blood in that same way. But we are called to sacrifice. We are called to a life of sacrifice in whatever it is that we do. And that's why we say we need to surrender all, withholding nothing. Unto the Lord. So that he can use us for his purpose. We, last week we spoke about Apostle Paul's CV. I will call it his CV. And I asked us, what is our spiritual CV looking like? You know, during the course of the week, I, I, you know, I read about Esther as well. When Esther had to redeem her people, she said, if I perish, so be it, I perish. She was prepared to go all the way. What is expected of each one of us is for us to present our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, not unto man, but unto God. We've read that scripture Time and time again. You see, oftentimes, when people say, I sacrifice, right? We sacrifice with the aim that I do something for you, but you do something for me back later when I need you. Right? Oftentimes, that is our attitude. Sir has done me a favor this week. Right, but well, let's give it a few weeks and it puts us in that situation where oh, because she's done me a favor when she now acts I feel compelled and that is the society that we live in We have a sense of entitlement. You do for me, I do for you. I'm sure we've heard these words. One good turn deserves another. Is this scriptural? (laughs) Thank you. It's not scriptural. Because the Bible says that when we want anything, who do we go to? We go to God. I lift up my eyes onto the hill. I do not lift up my eyes onto Mr. Manuela or Shaq or David. I lift up my eyes up to the hills from where cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. And whoever God is going to use to meet that need is up to God. Unless, of course, God has asked us to approach that particular person. I had a need on Friday. I went to Stephen because I knew in my spirit Stephen could help me. I needed to do a presentation and I knew, okay, who can help me? But does that mean that if he has a need tomorrow, he has to come to me? And this is how we get out of fellowship. Oh, I attended your party, so now it's my party. You have to attend. And not only that, you have to do Ashwebi. We know Ashuebi, don't we? And then you buy Ashwebi a hundred pounds. That hundred pounds, maybe you had saved it for, for your children to do something. But because you want to make me happy. And then it becomes a grudge. Because now you're forced to do something. You're compelled to do something that you don't want to do. That is not sacrifice, church. church family, it is not sacrifice. And that was not the sort of sacrifice that God called us to. Our help comes from God. God. Our help comes from the Father. You know, there was a king in the Bible who walked in disobedience. And as a result, God presented to him three punishments and said, Choose one. I'm sure those of us who are Bible scholars know who that is. Who is it? King David. He decided to take a census. Who sent you? Eh? Who sent you? And as a result of it, he got the whole of Israel in trouble. And God presented to him, okay, you know what? I've got three, three punishments. But he was wise. Hey, I'd rather fall into the hands of God than into the hands of man. Because he knows that even though he he, he did what was deserving of a punishment, he knew that he still served a God that was merciful. And that's why, you know, we say, you know, God says of him, he's a man after my own heart. He understood God inside out. But he walked with God to understand him was he without sin no but he was very quick to repent so the bible says you know when he had that opportunity to sacrifice he prayed and he had to sacrifice as well and he was offered the opportunity of not buying the sacrificial animals and said eh, not at all because he wanted to feel the sacrifice. Bible says, he said, I would not. Let me, let me just read the scripture so that I don't, um, for those who are taking. Second, Second Samuel 24, 24. It says, when David came to offer a sacrifice and pray for the removal of the plague on Israel, he was given the opportunity to make a sacrifice without the cost of purchasing the sacrificial animals. But the king replied uh, to, to Arana, <laughs> he says, No, I, will, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. Not only did he do that, they said... David built an altar to the Lord, there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer. The prayer on behalf of the land and the plague was stopped. What sacrifice are we giving unto the Lord? What are we offering the Lord? You know, I heard someone, I, I, well, it, it's not even just what I heard someone say. I, I also said this last week that, you know, you can sacrifice without loving, but you cannot love without sacrificing. Because your love propels you to give out something. And when we talk about sacrifice, a lot of times people think, oh, it's about money. But sacrifice is not always about money. Whatever it is, it could be time, it could be prayer. Whatever it is, as long as what we're doing, we're in obedience, we're walking in obedience to our God. So King David was determined that anything he gave to God had to be sacrificial. You know, someone would say he put his money where his mouth is. You see, a sacrifice without an associated cost is no sacrifice at all. And a selfish sacrifice, I've got in my notes, is no sacrifice at all. And what do I mean by a selfish sacrifice? A sacrifice is one that you give and you sit there and you're waiting in return. You know, those of us who come from Africa... Know this very well. You know, maybe you go and spend some time and you live with an uncle or you live with an auntie for a period of time. And then God helps you. And, you know, you become someone. And you earn. And then they say, "Mm, "Ah, now she lives in London or she lives in America or she lives in Canada. I can now start to send my requests. And then when you you, you, you know, you get compelled and you send the first and you send, you know. And then when you get to a point where you say, now, uh-uh, that is it. It's enough. They'll say, don't forget that you spent four years in my house, right? And instead of me eating four pieces of meat, I ate two so that you could go to school. Does anyone understand what I'm talking about? they would remind you of what they did for you, what they did for your parents, what they did for your siblings. That is a selfish sacrifice. Or a sacrifice that I would help you, but you're my investment there has to be a return on investment. That is the world we live in. But that is not the sacrifice that God has called us to. God is saying to us, when you give, don't expect anything back in return. Because I am your exceedingly great reward. When was the last time that you sacrificed something or gave something without expecting anything in return? Even if you know that that person has the finances, that person has what it takes. There's a Yoruba phrase I want to say, and I oh I I wish <laughs> it's almost like I, I, I do something for you, right? And I make sure that I sit there. Every time you open your eyes, you see me. I I might not say anything, but I'm sit, I'm close enough for you not to. Ah, uh, how can you not see me? Ah, Will. Ah, oh, my shoes. Oh boy. My shoes need changing now. You're, I'm not addressing you, but I'm saying it where you are. Because I have helped you. So now later you say, Auntie Joan, just take, go and buy your shoe. But it did not come from the heart. Indirectly, I've put him under duress. How do I expect God to bless me? But that is what we do. That is what we do. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, and that is why scripture says that, you know, when your enemy is hungry, what should we do? We should feed them. Do you know why? Because, you know, people say you're, you're killing them with kindness. Well, I'm, I'm going to use the word we're showering them with kindness. You know, you go over and beyond. And scripture also tells us that if someone is poor, you feed them. You reach out to them. Do you know why? Because the poor cannot repay you. The only person that can repay you is God. Your enemy would not repay you. Because, come on, they hate you anyway. So when God is saying to us to do things for these people, those that hate you, those that are poor, it's because he knows that when when you do it, you cannot sit there and wait for them to to give back to you. So in so doing, the only person you can look up to is God. And that's why scripture tells us that no one who lends to the poor ever goes without. We spoke about this on Friday. Because what you're doing is you're sowing into the kingdom of God, and God is the one that rewards. Hallelujah. You know I don't know if you remember the, the, the guy who was crippled in scripture in the I think the book of uh, Luke, where his friends came round and wanted to get him to Jesus but They couldn't get through. And what did they do? What did they do? They went through and cut out. What determination was that? But that was also a a big sacrifice on their part. Because they, I mean, if you do that now, you get arrested. But they didn't think about themselves. All they thought about is, we need to get this friend of ours... To Jesus. So they risked every repercussion. If I get arrested, so be it, as long as my friend gets healed. They knew where the answer was. That was a sacrifice on their path. How far are we willing to go to sacrifice? When God wants us to sacrifice, asks us to sacrifice for somebody, what do we think about? Financial cost? Time? Duration? We think about a lot of things. And recently, I'll be honest, (laughs) recently God said to me, right, there's a cousin of mine that I need to go and see in France. There's been a situation, and I have to go. And God said, I want you to go. And I'm like, Lord, I've just come back from Nigeria. I went to Nigeria. I wasn't even planning to go to Nigeria, and I had to go to Nigeria. And now, I have to go to France. (laughs) Thinking that it was Paris, I thought, "Mm, hopefully I'll be able to get some cheap tickets. And then I looked and I realized it wasn't Paris. I couldn't even, I couldn't even go to Elder Blessing and say, Elder Blessing, are there any discounts that I can use? Because it's not Paris. And it's costing me a lot more. But you know what? I had to catch myself and say, Lord, I'm sacrificing. My sacrifice is unto you. And you are the one that would reward. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me holidays. But that is nothing compared to what God sacrificed for us. And I'm learning to say yes, Lord. Every time. To say yes, Lord. Not to count the cost to me. Because I believe that if he is sending me... Right, the reward might not be next week, it might not be next month, but I know that reward will surely come. Amen. Sacrifice, sacrifice. You know, Saint Stephen was stoned, and what was he what did he say? When he was being stoned, Lord, do not hold this against them. Why was he stoned? For the gospel's sake. Before Jesus took his last breath, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Sacrifice. I'm going to share a few things, just maybe about four points with us about sacrifice before we close. You know, sacrifice, your sacrifice unto God is your covenant to show him that you actually do love him. If you love God, you would sacrifice. Whatever you do must be based on your love for God and for God's people. Sacrifice. 1 Kings 3.3. 3. The Bible says Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David. Except that Solomon too, Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the, at the local places of worship. Verse 4 says, the most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. So he did not, he did not sacrifice at you know the places that were close by or were convenient for him. He says he went to Gibeon, which was the most important place. And, you know, as I read that, I thought about, you know, those that used to go to, um, go to Jerusalem every year to sacrifice. Every single year. It did cost them time. It cost them money. Because they had to ride on donkeys or horses or whatever it was. And they had to feed all those. The Bible says he took a th- he burnt a thousand burnt offerings, so you can imagine them bringing in bringing in all the the offerings. One hundred, two, three, four, five, six. Is that not enough? No, seven, eight, nine, a thousand. That would have cost him a lot because he would have had to get. The herdsmen to bring them in as well, and he would have had to pay them. Imagine how that place would have looked like. But the Bible says, and this is where I'm going with this that night, someone said, That night, that night, what did God say? The Bible says, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And said, what do you want? I'm saying to us, family. Tonight, today, is that night for you. And God is saying, what do you want? What do you want? Today. Palm Sunday, what do you want from the Lord? Ask, and it shall be given unto you. It says, We have not because we ask not. Ask so that your joy will be full. Because Solomon loved the Lord, he sacrificed. As we lay our lives before him as a living sacrifice, God would ask us, What do you want? What are those things that have cost you sleepless nights? Let today be that day for you. That God would ask you, Vicky, what do you want? Will, what do you want? Sam, what do you want? Every single one of us, what do you want? Let it be today as we live our lives as a living sacrifice before the Lord. You see, your sacrifice shows your appreciation of God. How much do you, how well do you appreciate him? How much do you appreciate what he has done for you? If you appreciate him, if I appreciate him, we will be mindful of a lot of things that we do. In our prayers, do we appreciate Him? In our thanksgiving? In the way we carry ourselves? In the things we listen to? In the things we watch? How well do we appreciate Him? It shows how much we appreciate God. Number three. Our sacrifice shows our commitment to God and to the believers. You see, when Jesus was calling his disciples, his first disciples, there was a time that Jesus wanted to preach. And he got to the bank of the sea. And, you know, people were gathering around him. They were all surrounding him. And he decided, ah, okay, I need to teach. Which is what he came to do. He came to teach, to preach, to heal, to deliver, to restore. And the Bible says that as he was there, he saw two fishermen. Oh, he saw two boats and he saw fishermen. And one of those boats belonged to a man by the name Simon. So what did he say? He says, push your boat into the sea so that I can sit and it was easy for him to preach. Guess what happened? After he finished preaching or teaching, what did Jesus say to him? Do we remember? He says, launch into the deep. Because Simon partnered with Jesus by allowing Jesus to use his boat or ship as a platform to preach the word of God, there was a reward. And that's from Luke chapter 5. There was a reward. So when you partner with God, there would always be a reward. I'll read that for, the, for our benefit very quickly. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the edge, water's edge, two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. He then sat down and taught the people from the boat. You see, he had the word, but he did not have the platform. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the net for a catch. Simon answered, master, we'd worked all, hard all night and haven't caught anything. But at your word, I would let down my net. And when he had done so, they caught so much fish that they, their nets broke. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When you partner with God, there would always be a great reward. Amen? And number four, sacrifice is a mystery that unlocks the impossible situations in your life. You see, when you're faced with an impossible situation, sacrifice. King David was faced with an impossible situation. And he decided to sacrifice. And God stopped the plague. Hannah, or Hannah, was faced with an impossible situation. And she sacrificed. She went to Shiloh every year, every year, every year. I'm sure somebody would have said, "Uh -uh. God hasn't answered. You better just, just take your faith like that now. Just sit down. Go and adopt. But she was determined. And that is why that son became one that she dedicated unto the Lord. So as we Remember Christ's sacrifice for us. You know, this is the, let us be reminded and let's remind ourselves every single time that this is what we are all called to do. Live a life of sacrifice. And as we live a life of sacrifice, we can expect a reward, not from man, but from the almighty God. God bless you. Amen. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.